G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Round 16 is in the books from the AFL fantasy world, so of course I'm back here discussing everything that eventuated from another nine-game weekend. It was uh, a weekend that I'd rather forget as the coach of the large fries and coke. I was pressured, not pressured, that's not the right word, I panicked uh, closer to lockout with some of my trades and some of my moves, which saw me take a bit more of a tumble down the rankings, but that's all right. It is what it is. I wasn't really going to finish with a rank that I would be happy with this season, so I think I'm going to get a little bit fancy, try some different things over the next seven or so weeks before the season ends. There were a lot of bullets handed out over the weekend, starting with team selection, then right up through Sunday that a lot of coaches copped, so there were some pretty crappy scores around the ground, so I don't feel too butthurt. I know there were a lot of other people in the same boat as me, so without further ado, let me dive into everything that unfolded in round 16. Let's get this done quickly, starting with my team. I failed to score over 1900 this week, 1892 is what my points total was for the weekend, so... Something that resembles a score in the buy rounds is not exactly what you want to be posting post-buy rounds. In my defense, there was one glaring weakness in Griffin Lowe, but the rest of the crew was actually pretty good. James Sicily started things off right on Friday night, bouncing back with a big 120, which was fantastic. Jake Lloyd got to 113. Rory Laird and Brody Smith were solid for me as well, and Sydney Stack posted a 70, so can't complain too much about that. I did have Noah Answorth on my bench as well, who... <laughs> kind of forgotten about, and he put up a 79. So he's going to keep going up in price, which was nice, but the midfield was not as luscious points-wise. I made the stupid decision of making Nat Fife my skipper, and if you didn't watch the Western Derby, it was a bit of an embarrassment from the Dockers' perspective, and as a result, Nat Fife's score translated that way as well. He only topped 61 points for the weekend, gave away five free kicks. It was bloody frustrating to watch, I tell you, but... He wasn't the only one who is getting thrown a bit of hate in the midfield. Angus Brayshaw has just forgotten how to football. I think it matched his season low, 65. I gave him another chance. I thought he's got Carlton this week. There's absolutely no way he'll be staying in my team after this week. 65 is just shit house. Not good enough. Mitchie Duncan brought you in after your buy, and since then I don't think he's gone over 100 for me. Actually, sorry, that is a lie. He had 100 against Port Adelaide, but... Three-round average under 100. Doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence, so he's got a lift. And then everywhere else in my midfield was pretty lackluster. Gaffey, Trelaw, and McRae barely got to 100. Taranto kind of sucked with the 90-odd. And Kyle Dunkley made his way onto my field on debut after Oscar Baker was dropped. I had him, Bewley, and Willem Drew all dumped uh, last Thursday at team selection, which wasn't a huge surprise to see some of them dropped, but... Alas, Kyle Dunkley got given a chance and didn't really produce. Could have been worse, though. Nick Hind was my other trade-in. He had 39, and I picked a Dunkley over him, so I gained seven points there. So, glass half full. Things aren't always bad. Uh, turning my attention into the rucks, Brody Grundy got to triple figures, but my second rug score this week was uh, DNP from Maxi Gorn. I decided to hold Max Gorn. I literally, at the last second, about five minutes before... Trades were locked. I flipped a coin to decide whether I was going to trade Gorn or not. I was going to go to Scott Lysette and do... I can't even remember what my other trade was, to be honest. But didn't pull pull the trigger on that. Didn't follow through. So copped a donut there. Into the forward line. And again, was pretty solid. It hurt that 
Travis Boak didn't play. Again, I wasn't the only one that copped that. A lot of coaches are in the same boat there. And I did have Jared Cameron's emergency score, so thank God he managed to kick a couple of snags and put up 50-odd for me. Billings, Danger, Zeeble were all great. Warple was a little bit lackluster, but that's okay. And Tim Kelly's another 65. He was looking like the number one forward uh, for a period of time in the competition, but uh, he hasn't really been capturing those numbers. So, again, I didn't top uh, 1,900, and... I think, hopefully, I'm going to be better off for holding Gorn. I wasn't too happy with how I could go about with my second trade there. I wasn't able to get a rookie to anything meaningful with that extra cash grab going Gorn to Scotty Lysette. So, as a result, I did a double downgrade and I got plenty of coin to hopefully start to turn this rabble into something respectable. Alright, injury issues. I just posted my round wrap-up article and before... I hit click and publish on that one. There was a little bit of, not breaking news, but pressing news, with Josh Kelly officially ruled out for up to three weeks thanks to his calf injury. Unfortunately, I think there's about 18, 20% of coaches who have Josh Kelly in their lineup. So considering he's going to miss maybe two or three weeks, he's a must trade in my opinion. He does cost 850 grand and it stings to trade out the best player in fantasy, but you can move him around to a couple of other noteworthy players and still not take a huge hit. Hopefully generate some cash and make another move. So he's out, he's got to go. Trav Boak was a laid out on the weekend, but Ken Hinckley's assured fantasy coaches that he'll almost be a certain starter. Similarly can be said for Kelly's teammate Steve Cornelio, who there were some concerns over whether he was going to get up next week, but it seems like, knock on wood, he'll be fine. Similar can be said again with Paddy Cripps, another bloke who was out of action last week, but Carlton is adamant that he'll play. Fifey got a couple of knocks in the derby, but he wasn't listed on Frio's injury list, and seems like he's going to be a certain starter for them this week. Maxi gone. Over 40% of coaches still have Max gone in their side, so... I, again, like I suggested last week, would stay glued to Twitter and to a lot of Don's popular, me- uh, demons rather, popular media outlets just to see if he gets up. My gut feeling at the moment says he plays, but I don't know. We'll have to monitor that one throughout the week. His teammate, Marty Hall, news isn't so great. He has a broken collarbone, which means he could be sidelined for about a month. There are some coaches still rocking him, and his form's been kind of crap in the last few weeks, so there's a good excuse to move him on. Dan Hatterbury failed to get up for the Ruse Clash, and some people held him despite uh, the fact that he didn't play last weekend. And I don't think he's a certain starter this week either. So again, similar to Gorn, you've got to monitor him. And finally, Lockie Whitfield pulled up a bit sore on Friday, was believed to be a certain starter for the Brisbane game, uh, against Brisbane rather, but he should, again, nothing's certain, come in this week. Um, for GWS, which would be a timely inclusion, especially if Josh Kelly comes out. I'd advise waiting a week on Whitfield after this big, lengthy stint on the sidelines, but those are the pressing injury issues after round 16. Burning through my favourite five quickly, the first vote this week goes to Tommy Rockliffe. Nearly 3,500 coaches traded in the power stud and took a little bit of while to get going, but he finished with a big bang. I think he had a 50-point last quarter and a 40-point third quarter, so the plus five goes Rockliffe's way. A few fantasy-friendly fixtures coming up makes him a very viable trade target this week. Maybe someone you want to get in exchange for Josh Kelly. The plus four goes to Josh Kelly's teammate in Steve Cornelio. Again, there was a little bit of doubt over if he was going to play out the game. Hurt himself just before half time. 
from what I read and managed to get his way to 146. So nothing wrong with Cornelio's game. Hopefully we can see his points continue to soar with Kelly out. I think Timmy Taranto is someone to keep your eye on as well. But a big 34-touch, 11-tackle game boosted Cornelio's average back over the coveted 110 mark, which was very delightful to see for nearly a quarter of the competition. Plus three goes to Lockie Neal, who has put together a pretty good fortnight. Had 120 last week, 134 this weekend against the Giants. So no reason to consider Lockie Neal as a trade-out candidate, but still priced under 700 grand. You might want to look at bringing him in if you need a bit of a midfield boost. He is priced this low for a reason. Remember, he's had a couple of dull performances in the middle portion of the year, so... It does come with a bit of a flag, a bit of warning, but uh, nothing wrong with the way Lockie Neal's playing right now. Same can be said for Jack Billings, who is averaging 125 since his buy round. He was almost bang on that on the weekend with 128. That saw him get the plus two. I was a bit lucky. I was looking at trading Billings out right around his buy, but other things forced me to shuffle some rookies and make other moves. And as a result, pretty stoked with the way that Jack Billings has produced in the last few weeks. Lastly, the plus one. There were some bigger scores out there last weekend, but considering the torment and the stress that James Sicily has put owners through in the past few rounds, it was nice to see him kick off things well on the weekend with a 121. The highest score in that Hawks-Pies game, he got to 100 before three-quarter time and then just cruised and got to his 120 by the end of the contest. So I was pretty stoked with the way that Sicily played. As I've said multiple times, he's definitely a roller coaster, and thank God for now, the roller coaster's moving in the right direction. The frustrating five, the negative five, this week goes to Dustin Martin. All signs were pointing to him posting one of the highest scores of the round, and it wasn't meant to be against Gold Coast. None of us thought that Brad Shear was going to go and tag him, and that that was going to be a factor that we had to worry about at all, but he only had 19 touches and a 58 on the weekend. If you traded him in, it kind of sucks, but I wouldn't go panicking too much. His form before that has been pretty ridiculous, so hopefully he bounces back next weekend. Negative four this week goes to Nat Fife. Much like the rest of the Dockers on Saturday night, didn't really show up. Only scored a 60, gave away five free kicks. Could be worse, at least you didn't have him your skipper. Let's move on. Negative three goes to Zach Merritt. It was a bit alarming that he only spent 66% time on ground, but he did cop a big hit in the second term and didn't really look the same for the rest of the game. He battled on and managed to slowly keep his score ticking over, but he does have a pretty uninspiring average at the moment. His five-round average is under 95, which is not what you paid up for in getting Zach Merritt. I wouldn't go trading him out just yet. I'm a big, as you know by now, advocate for holding your premiums, but his form is definitely something to watch, and if he keeps throwing up these stinkers, he might be forced to move on to someone else. Another player whose average continues to trend in the wrong direction. We thought he belonged in the top handful of fantasy defenders just a few weeks ago, but Bashahuli hasn't really lived up to expectations in the last three. He had five straight hundreds in the lead-up to, I think, his buy round, and maybe the week before that, but since then, he's gone three straight under 90. His last two scores, which have been in the 70s, have coincided with Jaden Short coming back in to the Tigers' outfit as well, so that is a bit alarming. If he keeps posting these sub-80 scores and Short keeps playing, then he might be forced to look elsewhere instead of holding Hooley. I wouldn't go reacting and doing anything right away, but that's definitely something to consider for the next few weeks. The final negative one this week goes to Mitch Duncan. Every now and then, a fantasy star will have a bit of an off weekend and 
Sometimes it comes in the form of an upset loss, and that's exactly what happened to Mitch Duncan last week. However, his form hasn't been fantastic, like I mentioned in recent times. I expect him to bounce back, but still, it's a little blip and a little bit of a letdown, so I'm all for Mitch Duncan bouncing back. If you don't have him in your side, though, I wouldn't go trading him in just yet. Wait for him to keep hopefully ticking down a little bit in price, and then you can pounce on him when he's ripe for the picking. Time to discuss some trade tactics now. I'm all for trading in Tom Rockliffe this week, who has some fantasy-friendly fixtures coming up, I guess you could say. There's a couple of glaring ones in the run home, but considering the way that Rocky has scored in his fantasy career to date, I wouldn't be too alarmed. I do like the looks of a couple of Eagles almost over Tom Rockliffe. I know that the name coming with Tom Rockliffe is a very big draw card, but Andrew Gaff and Luke Shuey are arguably my two favourite trade-in targets this week, and I honestly don't know which one I like more. Gaffy costs a little bit more, but it's only about 15 grand, and you could argue that he has perhaps the highest fantasy floor in the competition, but Luke Shuey's last oh, two months have been pretty unreal. He had 114 again on the weekend, and he does have the odd 70 and 80, which kind of balances out his average to a tick over 100, but they're two dudes that I do like the looks of. Sticking with the West Coast theme, I think... If you're looking to make a defensive move, you could try and target Shannon Hearn this week. He's almost bottomed out in price. 606 grand he costs now. Has a break-even of 110, and Collingwood do give up a lot of points to defenders, so we could see him reach that this week. If you're looking for someone else, don't rule out Christian Salem, who costs a little bit more than Shannon Hearn, but did have another 80 on the weekend. Has three pretty solid scores in a row, albeit against the Dockers, Lions, and Blues, but... I do like the looks of those two trade targets in defence. If you want a youngster, Oliver Hanrahan has been my favourite rookie target for the last fortnight, and I think this could be one of the last weeks to get on him. Don't go expecting a 70-odd each week, but I think he'll round out his average to somewhere near the high 60s, mid-60s mark. So he's set to probably make you another 100 grand or so. Costs 211k right now. Much cheaper than someone like Marby or Chol, who... I advised picking up last week, and if you didn't get him last week, he's probably a little bit too expensive to reach now. 296k he costs. If you're not looking for a forward, maybe you want a defender. Isaac Quayno was pretty impressive on debut. Scored a 70, now costs 270 grand. So you do have to pay up a bit for it on your bench. If you're rocking someone like Griffin Lowe or Noah Answorth, though, there's a little quick cash grab to be had there. And finally, in the midfield, Kyle Dunkley on debut was fine. We Saw him fail to get over 50 against Carlton, so it's hard to call it fine. But I think that he can hold his spot, hopefully, for a few more weeks. I wouldn't want to go fielding him in best-case scenario, but he should be all right for the next couple. Looking at some of the trade-out candidates this week, there's a lot of big-name players who are under a little bit of doubt heading into round 17 that will probably dictate a lot of moves. I think that Josh Kelly is the biggest concern. We already know he's going to be out for a few weeks, so... Again, like I've said at the lead-off, I think you've got to trade him, but the status of a few other players is still a little bit cloudy. I think Cornelio, Boak, and hopefully Max Gorn will all get up, but their names have been linked to potentially missing, so don't be surprised if the narrative changes a little bit on them throughout the week. If any combination of those players misses and you want to get another superstar in place of them, or maybe do a mild downgrade to someone that you can get for a hundred grand cheaper and then hopefully try to get a rookie off your field, I think can be justified. We're getting to the pointy end of the season, so 
You don't want to be holding too many injured premiums. Just ask Patrick Cripps and hopefully not Max Gorn owners because these one-week niggles, in quotation marks, can turn into a few weeks on the sidelines. Let's also quickly discuss the Angus Brayshaw saga. Now priced at 611 grand, I think he has to go, plain and simple. We tried to persist after he showed a little bit of promise. I think it was on Queen's birthday against Collingwood. He had that 120, but... Really, he hasn't looked like scoring anywhere close to triple figures for a while. Got a couple of 90s and a couple of 80s here and there, but he is not the same player that we thought he was at the start of the season. So for that reason, I think he's a must-trade. Now, if you can't get up, it is wise, I think, to consider trading in the likes of Mark Murphy or maybe even a Dan Hanabry type if he's playing. Murphy had 93 on the weekend, and him and Hanabry are two players that I've been getting a lot of questions about, whether they're viable trade targets, but... At this point in the year, I think Murphy probably over Hanabry. You only make maybe 50k going Brayshaw to Murphy, but that's not a terrible move. Murphy should keep trending upwards, and hopefully when Cripps returns, we'll see Murph get a little bit less attention. But even Dan Hanabry himself, you can save, oh, let me do a quick math, about 130 grand by going Brayshaw to Hanabry, and you can then use that money to maybe get rid of Griffin Lowe off your field. So I think it can be justified. It does come with a little bit of risk. We don't think... Mark Murphy and Dan Hanbury are going to be top eight midfielders by any means, but they can help you generate enough cash to make another move down the line. A few weeks in a row now, I've been saying it's important to trade out these fattened cash cows and these rookies on your bench that aren't doing a hell of a lot and aren't really making you any more money. But it is important, I guess, to have a playing emergency in each line. I only expect some of these laid outs to ramp up as the season progresses. And now that injury lists are starting to grow, we're starting to see some players go in for the end of season surgery and starting to be rule out for the rest of the year. So especially teams that don't really have a hell of a lot to play for. So it's wise to have a playing emergency on each line. So I wouldn't go trading them for a quick cash grab unless you have to. There are some rookies that can be chopped though. Marty Hoare, I've already spoken about his injury, so he's got to go. We can't put up with another uh, effort like Griffin Lowe did on the field. So if he's still sitting there, maybe you want to flick him for Isaac Quainall, make a couple of bucks there and field Quainall for a few weeks. Non-playing guys as well, like Oscar Baker and Brett Bewley. Uh, there's a chance that they can come back into your side, but there's a lot of money to be made from potential Oscar Baker to Kyle Dunkley trade. That makes you nearly 200 grand. So they could re-enter the senior side, but moving one of them on or both of them on isn't a terrible idea. Waiver wire watch time. The pick of the bunch Waiver wire target-wise that I like at the moment is Toby McLean, still sitting in 68% of teams. There's a high chance he's not available in your league, but I found him on my waiver wire in one of my leagues. So now that he's back in the Bulldogs side, I would advise quickly checking to see if a couple of coaches have fallen asleep at the wheel. There's other inclusions like Jack Nunes and Jack Silvani who could be good gets as well. I was surprised to find Bailey Fritch has such a low ownership. Had 120 on the weekend, and he's had a couple of other 60s and 50s to kind of balance his average out, but he shapes up as another good waiver wire addition. Someone that won't go kicking five goals every week but could be available in some deeper leagues is Jason Castagna. Had 118 on the weekend, and I like the looks of him, along with Sean McKernan, who only has forward status at the moment, but after what Zach Clark dished up, will probably be Essendon's sole ruck or one of their um, ruck rotation pieces for the rest of the year. So he had 100 on the weekend, 90 the week before that, sitting in 15% of leagues. He's only a forward, but should pretty much be a lock for ruck status when the new BP DPPs come available at round 18. 
All right, my moves very quickly. I'm sitting with over 400K in my savings account right now, and it's gonna be hard for me to resist spending it all in one big blow. Griffin Lowe has gotta go, and the aforementioned Shannon Hearn will probably come in for him. I might get a little bit fancy and trade Brayshaw out and bring Hearn into my back line, which would actually see me make money, which is crazy to think. And then maybe go Griff Lowe to someone like Isaac Quainall. I could move Sydney stack into my mids, and then I do wanna have uh, premium players in my midfield, but considering the value that Hearn offers, I think he's a wise target this week. So you never know if another rookie downgrade like Will Snelling or Darcy Cameron comes in for Sydney, then I might chase a downgrade there and then use some money to move on Griffalo. But God, I can't keep putting up with what Angus Brayshaw is dishing up. It's driving me crazy. And that's going to do it for the round 16 wrap-up. Thanks again for tuning in to another Sports by Fry pod. I'm going to try in the next couple of days and sit down with JLo to discuss NBA free agency stuff and a little bit of our thinking AFL fantasy-wise to close out the season. Tomorrow, you'll be able to grab my Dream Team Talk Cash Cows piece again, covering all the relevant rookies, so make sure you check that out. Got some NFL fantasy stuff in the works for later in this week as well. So NFL fantasy is something that I've picked up and started playing while AFL Fantasy is uh, not an event. So definitely advise checking that out if you haven't played before. But thanks once again for tuning in. Good luck in round 17. Until next time, peace.